decided to perform Ace of Spades by Motorhead. That song got a guitar solo in it. My natural showmanship obviously came through at that point. I faked on stage taking some heroin and <laughs> it all <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? That gave me the confidence to think I could pursue like a full-time career as a singer. Welcome, 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 music lovers, goths, grebos, emos, friends, family, and last but not least, my own mother. You're now tuned into the seventh episode of the Back in the Band podcast. This show is all about making a nostalgic trip down memory lane to the days when being in a band meant everything, and we dreamed of living that rock and roll lifestyle. But let's face it, times have changed and we're now in the real world, aren't we? Trying to balance our passion for music with the responsibilities of adulthood. Yes, it's 7.30pm and we're doing a podcast just as an excuse to get out of that bedtime routine with the kids. As always, we'll be asking today's guest about the hoodies they wore, the gigs they saw, the songs they learned, the money they burned, the music they made, their dreams of getting laid, their first MP3s, the printed and ripped CDs, the strings they snapped and the bands that they clapped. So let's go back to a time where we'd spend several hours on a Saturday evening spending our hard-earned £3.25 an hour wage on posters of Avril Lavigne and Slipknot at HMV. Let's get on with it. Lee, it's episode seven. Before we get onto today's episode, I wanted to take us back a little bit. I wanted to share a school memory, a music class memory. So yesterday I was searching through online for my old band, funny enough, shamelessly in fact, and came across the guy who produced our EP at the time when I was in uni. He was actually a lecturer at my uni at the time. So the interesting thing that I found was he was actually studying the same course at a completely different university at the very same time we were doing the course at university, which then reminded me of, do you know where I'm going with this? Reminded me of our GCSE music teacher. Because I didn't learn anything in GCSE music, so this can't be going far. (laughs) So we had several. They're all substitute teachers or temporary teachers. And there was one called... Miss Jutter, who was a Hebrew larger-than-life woman who was taking her maths and English GCSEs at the very same time that we were doing our GCSE music class. She was quite it, angry from the only memory, really. I mean, is that right? Yeah, but ang- but cool enough, it was ridiculous, the fact that she was obviously learning basic GCSE at the same time we were doing our music GCSE, but the fact that she let us practice corn covers Monday through Friday for about an hour or two in the middle of the day yeah, that's pretty was sound. pretty cool. So I, I can't really mind them. That's as good as it gets, isn't it? That little... Are you giving a shout out to Miss Jutter? Is that what we're doing in this intro today? Yeah, Miss Jutter. But uh, yeah, music GCSE was all right, weren't it? No one really gave a shit, but it was a good excuse to play in the band in a practice room for a bit. Yep. Better than doing geography anyway. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's better than doing, what, no, drama, mate. I'm not doing drama. What did you think of the last episode then? Yeah, I listened back to it. It took me half a day to edit it, down from 55 minutes to 20. Oh yeah, <laughs> so someone had to listen back, yeah. You did. You've got a few things lined up musically going on the next couple of weeks. Going to see that 100 Reasons Hell is for Heroes gig next weekend with our guest today. I'm not really excited for it, but any excuse. You're just being miserable again though, mate, aren't you? No, I'm looking at, you know, five pints in, mate. I'll be in the pit, but... <laughs> just enjoy it, mate. I can't go and see 100 Reasons here in Cartagena or in Morthia, so the fact that you can go is a godsend. You can if you make enjoy the effort to fly over, points. mate. So, huh. have, a, yeah, have a sixth pint on me. Oh, well, thank you. Speaking of going to gigs with our next guest, shall we introduce him? Let's introduce the man. So today's guest is Bruce McKay. 
Bruce and I met at work at Torg headquarters in Shepherd's Bush in about 2014. We had approximately three things in common. We worked on the same website. We loved a lunchtime pint or two or three or sometimes even four. And of course, music. We bonded in those early days by creating a shared new metal Spotify playlist called The Best New Metal. And over the last six or seven years, we've been to many gigs together in London, seeing bands such as Fucked Up, Machine Head. And we also saw Funeral for a Friend play their last ever show which turned out not to be their last show, much to our constant anger. We were completely missold. Bruce is a huge Nick Cave nerd, and in the last couple of years, he started to speak to me a bit more after I showed some interest in learning about the Nick Cave back catalogue, which we don't entirely see eye to eye on. Ghostine does have a few good tracks, mate, okay? I know Bruce had a bass guitar at home and was dabbling on it. I mean, he dabbles in a lot of things, but only in the last three weeks did I find out that Bruce was in a band back in high school. And this information shocked me to my core. And after he told me a few stories, I booked him into this podcast to hear more. So welcome, Bruce. How you doing, mate? Yeah, hey, good. Nice to be here. Thanks for the warm intro. First question to get us straight back in the mood. What posters did you used to have up on your bedroom wall? Oh, wow. It's a bad question. I don't think I had any. I don't think my parents oh. let me have posters. My dad's quite like house friend. I don't think Low I actually had... on the wall. No, nothing like that. I know my sister, she had old covers of Kerrang! magazine, like the front and back, blue tack to her ceiling for a while. <laughs> Not an actual poster. Just oh, I'm going like, to get her on, man. Yeah. Let's cancel this now. She sounds <laughs> yeah. way more fun than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was never in a band, though. Dad didn't let you put posters up. That's fine. You're not cool enough. Yeah. Stu, what poster did you have? Remind me. I had, I'm trying to think non Kelly Brook based posters. So I had a corn. Do you remember the, like, the Issues tour illustrated? Dull corn poster. I think I remember there was a stained. Well, I mean, there was fucking shitloads, but they're the immediate ones that come to memory. It was, it was interesting, like transitioning from match and shoot and football posters, yeah. like Rude Van Nistelrooy to Jonathan Davis to Kelly Brook is quite a weird mix, isn't it? Really, it's, it is weird to have like Page Three Girls and Heavy Metal, but it's a bit odd. There's a clash of cultures there, but. I had the same. Sweaty uh, men is weirder, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like fine. Sweaty men. Brook, no, sweaty men's better. Always better. <laughs> sweaty dreadlock men. So, Bruce, did you learn to play an instrument when you were younger? Uh, completely self-taught in everything I did musically. Very much figured I could sing because I couldn't do anything else. It was just the only way I could be in a band. I didn't. I don't think I even owned an instrument back then. The bass guitar was like a few years ago. Still trying to. Still trying to find my instrument. We weren't particularly, as a band, like they had instruments, but cheap ones, I think. We weren't that set up. We were just more pure than that. It wasn't about the kind of trinkets that come with uh, Big instruments steel, or anything like that. And, yeah. But you were in a band. So what was the name of your band? In a band. Yeah. We were called CRT. The reason we were called what we were was we were watching Countdown and the letters were C, R, and T in that order. And it was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Why um, not? Should we, should we give up on this search? That one, that's <laughs> it was, fine, isn't it? It was just, that was about as much effort as we put into anything, but we thought we'd be big enough that we would become the default <laughs> CRT. We'd care. <laughs> yeah, there's none of around. We'd be bigger than CVs, basically. So tell us then, CRT, so was that just covers or was that like original material or what? So it's mostly covers. We did have one original song, a now lost classic, unfortunately. We never got to the point of recording or anything like that. There is a VHS somewhere of that song, but I had a bit of an error when we were recording it or writing it. My bassist, he was also a lyricist. I didn't worry about lyrics. I was more attitude. He <laughs> gave me a, he like wrote the lyrics, gave me like the only copy of it. I went home and then just lost them, basically. Didn't actually have any lyrics to the song in the end. When we did perform it, it was at that point, I just jumped off the stage and... <laughs> <laughs> just did a little dance. Yeah. 
jumped off the stage into what? Just into like, we only ever played like one gig, so it wasn't like a regular thing, but it was, yeah, we were like the opening band in a village hall. There was maybe like five uninterested people there whose mates were in like other bands who were playing over that day. So we just opened to no one. I jumped off the stage to get a pit going. No one was that interested. And then uh, just when that song was over, got back on stage and carried on singing because I knew the lyrics of the rest of it. <laughs> Incredible. Love it. And that was a VHS. You say you had that. Did someone take yeah, a so, and do that? Yeah. So it was the guy who actually organized the whole gig. He was quite like entrepreneurial and he had big plans for it, big visions. Like we basically formed the band so we could play at the gig. It was a buddy of mine from school. And I think he thought he was maybe going to sell it one day in the like the video of this gig, like a bunch of like amateur bands or something. They only recorded us for that one song that was our own. And it always apparently just my arms flailing above my head below stage level as I was trying to like whip the crowd to a frenzy and then just the rest of the band just standing on stage board. Like I'd never want to see it. It sounds proper cringe. So good. Give me an example of this set list you were busting out. They're a pretty diverse mix of songs, really. It was uh, Brain Stew by uh, Green Day, did Holly by Nirvana, did Bounce by System of a Down. And then we did our own song that was called Capitalism is Organized Crime. And, uh, <laughs> and a thing I uh, forgot was we actually <laughs> built in a segment called Mr. Pink Talks to the Kids. <laughs> and that was basically... <laughs> and that was a bit of crowd work for me. The idea is... I could just go on a bit of a tirade of the crowd but, and just write some wrongs and call out injustices <laughs> socially and stuff like that. Whilst the band were playing? No, I think it was in between songs. It was in our set list as Mr. Pink talks to the kids and Jeez. I just... How did that go down? I don't know. I'd imagine in like the heat of the moment, I don't remember it too well. I probably froze up Blacked a bit. And out. Just, Blacked out from the stress. Yeah, said a few swear words maybe and then we just carried on with another song. Did you do any rehearsals? Like you must have done something to actually perform four songs on a stage. It's basically like the gig was put on. Then we decided we wanted to play the gig, so we we're like, "Oh, we better form a band so we can play." And then I think it was like three, four months of like proper rehearsal, like once or twice a week. I didn't go to every rehearsal. At the time, I had a job working in Mataman on the tills, and I figured <laughs> as the singer, I didn't really need to be there for rehearsals because it's more about the band being in time and like. I figured singing was pretty easy, so I could just like just wing it on the day. Mr. So. Pink does whatever the fuck he wants, doesn't he? Mr. It? Pink will sing or not sing. Like he doesn't have to be there. It was more like I really thought I had like the attitude and energy was what I thought I was bringing to it. I didn't really feel like musically I wasn't there, but I thought charisma would carry me. So <laughs> you can't rehearse charisma. Yeah. So that was a peak in the history of CRT. So after that, what happened? So. We did, we stayed a band for a while longer. It wasn't just kind of one and done. I think we did have plans to play some more shows when the opportunity came up, but I don't think it ever did. The guitarist was a bit too talented for the rest of us. He was genuinely quite a good musician. He'd been on Blue Peter, I think, playing guitar in like a jazz band and stuff like that. So he was like, his level was like way higher than the rest of us. We were trying to be true to our kind of like punk ethos of not being too good. So we kind of, I don't think we kicked him out of the band. We just stopped inviting him to band practice. And then we just replaced him with someone else who couldn't really play their instrument. And someone else who couldn't make it on Blue Peter. Uh, they never would have made it. It was, I was in all boys grammar school at the time, obviously deeply, that impacted my deeply punk mindset. <laughs> and one of the most kind of like wild things you could do at the time in like the circles I was in of being an all boys school was like have an actual female. So we replaced him with basically a girl who owned a guitar who I don't know if she could play or not. It didn't really matter. 
But the idea was we were like really going to stand out from the crowd by having just a woman stand next to us on stage. What <laughs> was your USP? Yeah, so what convinced you you could actually be a frontman? Well, you sound like you had some raw talent in there, but I want to know what convinced you. So at school, like the year before, or maybe two years before, we had a thing called House Music, which was basically different classes in the school put on like a show. And I don't know if it was like meant to be competitive, but you had to do one original song, one communal like choir type song, one just not like cover performance. And at the time I was very confident and we decided to perform Ace of Spades by Motorhead in front of the school. Another time yeah, I felt it went out really well. It was a great reaction from the rest of the school there. That song's got a guitar solo in it. My natural showmanship obviously came from at that point. I faked on stage taking some heroin and having a little... <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I got a little like plastic syringe from the science class, pretended to inject myself and then just fell down while the guitar solo was going on and just lay on the stage and then came back to life for the uh, final verse. And <laughs> Wow. But yeah, that gave me the confidence to think I could pursue like a full-time career as a singer. That's what made me. The reaction to it, was that what gave you the confidence? Was there like a positive like, thank I feel in my head there was. I think maybe it might be kind of rose-tinted like spectacles and all that. But at the time, I genuinely thought I had it. I really thought I was like some amazing singer. That you're going to get a reaction to pretending to take heroin on stage. <laughs> like what, 16 years old? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was probably... It was quite like prop based, a lot of my singing <laughs> method <laughs> acting ability. But yeah, I thought, yeah, the theatricality of it all was pretty important to me, uh, even back then. That's so wild. I remember you telling me the other day something about the song Bounce by System of a Down. Did you claim you wrote it or something to someone? That sounded absolutely bizarre. <laughs> so, yeah, we covered Bounce System of a Down. It was our first ever gig. So, we felt. <laughs> In addition to my kind of monologue at the audience, it was the right time to bring on like a guest vocalist from another band. Played Bounce by System of Down. My mate Stu came on and sang like the backing vocals on that. He's now a, I think, a semi-professional wrestler under the name Tax Williams, if you want to look him up. <laughs> but, um, I think I, it was like a girl I was talking to at the time. I think I was trying to impress her. So I was just like, oh yeah, I wrote this song. I knew the lyrics to that one, so it might have seemed more believable. Such an easy and song for him. And like, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I think just six months later or something, she just like, actually heard the song properly and got real angry at me and just confronted me on the street. Like, <laughs> Relationship failing. Really bad song. Yeah, it was, yeah. My lights caught up with me then. So, yeah, I don't know like <laughs> how I thought I'd get away with that because Sister of a Dow were huge at the time. That's absolutely banger. I need to put that on after this. Got me in the mood for it. I was just going to ask, like, were your parents impressed by your band endeavours or did they show absolutely zero interest? Did they encourage it, take you around, or are you just, nah, you're never going to make it, son? I think it was pretty much like indifference as much as anything. It was, they weren't supportive as in where my mate Tom lived out in the countryside. I think it was about an hour and a half, two hour walk from where I lived at the time. And I remember having to actually walk to his house to get to band practice. Jeez. Like one time me, my mate Ollie was at my house with his like amp and bass and we had to carry them on like the, um, it, I, it feels too long now, I swear it was like a two-hour walk. Yeah, like it was like the other side of the town, down in like a little country lane <sighs> to this little village called Brook. It's like the middle of nowhere. And yeah, just like walking down the street, like holding like a bass amp. Just wouldn't get do to it, now, would you? So. Like you just wouldn't. And we used to do stuff like that. And you'd be traipsing and stuff around and you'd be like, no, I'm not going. Yeah. I'm not. It's just not worth it. I don't know why Bollocks we did it. Like we spent longer walking to like band practice than we probably did like actually rehearsing <laughs> or like putting yeah. any time into learning a song or like anything. It was like the majority of the time in the band was just walking around just to and from rehearsal. So good. 
I've got another thing off the back of the props. Uh, I only actually remembered this earlier today, but um, before the gig like kicked off, got to the venue early and all that, and I was with my mate Stu I mentioned about earlier. He went to the village shop and was just trying to buy like a drink or something. And you had to pay over like a certain limit to pay by card. So he was like, oh, what do you want? Like, I'll just buy you something to get the limit up. So I just grabbed a pair of ladies' tights and I had this idea that it would be really funny if I came on stage with tights on my head and then just like walked on stage and ripped the tights off. To the start of the show, which um, I don't think anyone might even notice, but in my mind that was just like a real. This is going to blow their fucking socks off. It's going to make the local paper. Yeah, Someone's like going to talk about it. Yeah, we were like the opening band of the day, I think. So it was. I really wanted to make a big impression. So, yeah, wanted to come on stage and yeah, give them a show. That is absolutely fantastic stuff. So obviously, it sounds like you had a lot of fun and a lot of ridiculous times, but you still look back on it fondly. You're glad you did it. Do you reckon you could have done more with it or wish you'd done more with it? <laughs> I don't know if we needed to do any more. I feel we did what we needed to do. I think it was one of those things. We wanted to play a show. We played a show. It was more about just like hanging out with your mates. I'm still pretty close with the drummer and like the bassist from the band. I think it was more about just like hanging out, just having a laugh. Like when you were a kid, I don't know if it was, because you're a bit younger than me, I think like a couple of years. And I think like music and like scenes changed a bit but when i was like that age it was real territorial of like you were into guitar music or you went into dance music and there was like no overlaps it was a real kind of like yeah. all your friends were like the, into the same music so it's quite a big like it was standing out kind of thing like with your mates oh yeah we're a band we're like different we're not in like track suits and stuff well it identified as you didn't it like you say we were in where we were in the time luton garage scene was massive when we started getting into bands and stuff so it was either you listen to early craig david or you're into mudvayne and it's like well <laughs> take mudvayne but then it's like, oh how can you like that like, yeah it, it totally defined you really 100 percent. besides being an absolute punkhead doing your show did you get anything out of it what did you get out of it besides the camaraderie and a few best mans i don't know it was probably at the time it was a bit like you it's just a run a marathon so you got a story to tell i think it was one of those things just kind of like just wanted to stand out, just tell people I'd done it. Just do it for the anecdotes. That's what I say. That's how I live my life. And don't do anything else. But yeah, deep anecdotes. Last question for me, mate. If you give yourself a bit of advice at that age, what would you do? Would you tell him to enjoy it? I don't know. I'd say learn your song lyrics. Don't lose them and just try and like <laughs> wing it. I'd say don't intend on giving off the cuff monologues on stage to disinterested people. I'd say probably don't claim you wrote songs that you didn't write. Say maybe like a mic, practice. I think there's a lot I could have done differently. But I don't think you would though, would you? Would you? Nah, you wouldn't have enjoyed would've. it if you hadn't done all that. You'd, you'd, have, you'd have nothing. You'd just like, yeah, I was in a band of shit and that was it. No, it's true. I'm happy the way it went. I feel like it served its purpose. It was something to do at the time. It was a story for a couple of years and then I moved on. I don't like bringing up like the same story like, over and over again. Like I ran a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to hit rewind and bring back the good times with our My Napster section. Our guests get to pick a jam that takes them right back to the days when we were part of a sick band. Back in the early 2000s, we were all about the MP3 life. Downloading tunes off Napster, LimeWire, Winamix. Sure, it took forever, but in the words of Justin Timberlake, I'm loving it. Bruce, let's go back then. Paint us all a picture. Tell us about the track you've picked and why it's special to you. Yeah, so some I picked is Everlong by uh, Foo Fighters. I gave this um, a lot of long and hard for. We didn't cover it as part of our show or anything like that. But the reason it's like special is it was the song. <laughs> it sounds a bit romantic now, but it was a song that kind of brought me and my mate Ollie, the bassist in the band, together. At the time when we met, I was very much more into my dance music and stuff like that. And 
Yeah, it was a song, I don't know, it kind of formed our friendship, I think. It was just one of those songs, and then it's quite an old song now. It was even old, like, when we became friends, but it's just that song that kind of, like, always came back, always hung around at the end of the night whenever we were out. We'd always forever long on, so it's just that song that kind of really reminds me of making friends back in the day. What a fantastic tune, mate. How are you listening to this? Are you, this is, what, 2001 or something? CD, yeah. What are they called? Discman time, maybe, like, sharing an earbud at school in, like, your lunch break. Man, I miss the days. Slam a CD in. Jesus Christ. It's all changed, mate. It's all changed now. Yeah, all different. Quality, man. Yeah, that's really good. Nice choice. Right, we've talked for a little while now about some incredible band memories, but it's time to wrap up with our most popular podcast feature, most requested. People want more. Would you rather? This was a tricky one for you, Bruce, because you're quite a fussy guy, I'd say. You're quite hard to make decisions for so i've tried to keep it personal so bear with me would you rather no more gigs ever again done or the only nick cave you can listen to is ghosting and carnage <laughs> that's ever. very uh that's very personal to me that's real specific that's a genuine tough one actually i know you like your gigs but also know you hate those albums so it's not that i hate those albums it's more the ones i'm losing like i listen to nick cave most weeks big part of my identity you gotta choose you know i'm not gonna literally i guess if you lost gigs that would mean you would never get to wear tights on your head ever again the tights on the head isn't when i'm in the crowd it's (laughs) 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 when you rush the stage that's when you wear yeah i think i'd have to lose lose the nick cave albums but i'm assuming i've still got like the birthday party and the boys next door the early technicality so so there's still a bit of like old angry nick cave like (laughs) still on the table and i don't like although i can i don't have to listen to those two albums (laughs) at the end so it's not like i'm being forced to listen to them yeah i'll stick with that I'll, i'll carry on going to gigs nice You've wormed your way out of it with a technicality. You're the first guest to do it, but I expected it from you. Well done, mate. <laughs> wow, so that was Bruce's story about running on stage with women's tights over his head and acting doing heroin mid-set. Mm, didn't really expect that one today, did you, mate? No, because he didn't ever even hint at these <laughs> bizarre stories from truly absolutely bizarre behaviour. And I really feel like we've probably reached the full spectrum now of being back in a band after that one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there was a kind of, you go from super professional, or at least finishing to be super professional, to Bruce is doing it for the love and the joy. That's it, exactly. Just a bit punk, a bit dumb, not taking uh, anything seriously. Yeah, and that's what I love about it, is like, not taking it that seriously, but also just being a bit punk and a bit dumb, just now my attitude is not serious, so I'm just going to carry on. And you have to respect the effort anyone does. Spend a few months getting the balls to go on stage, even if they are a bit ropey. Hilarious. It was all about balls, though, wasn't it? Like, I feel like even some of the stuff we did would have needed some sort of courage and balls to yeah. get up and go and do it. But to go to the lengths that he did, I think is special. And I wish I'd seen it. I'd love to see that VHS if he ever gets on. I didn't see that VHS. It takes the courage to go up on the stage, especially, but the practice is pretty, just doesn't even sound like he turned up half the time. It's classic, Bruce. Cool. So that's a wrap, I think, on this one. We hope you had a good time today on the show and the latest episode of the Back in the Band podcast. We took a trip down memory lane, shared some hilarious stories of Bruce and shared his favourite track from back in the day too. Don't despair, we'll be back soon with another special guest and some funny as hell content, hopefully. Yeah, please do tune in for the next episode where we'll hear even more stories about band life, whether it be semi-professional or completely blagged. Thanks, Bruce, for joining us on the podcast today. Some genuinely really hilarious stories I did not expect. But if you've got any suggestions or ideas for us, feel free to reach out. 
If you're a friend of ours or know someone who'd be interested in being a guest on the show, you can find me on a chat room on MSN reaching out for your AFL sometime this week. Cheers for listening. Yeah.